0: Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Thursday, May 2nd, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Senator Michael Bennett is officially running, Kamala Harris wins the media cycle questioning Bill Barr, a look into Beto O'Rourke's teenage hacker past, and candidates sign a no fossil fuel money pledge. Here's what you missed today on the campaign trail. On CBS This Morning, Colorado Senator Michael Bennett announced that he is joining the race for president, which brings the Democratic field to 22 major candidates by my count. Speaking to John Dickerson, Bennett said, quote, My plan is to run for president. I think this country faces two enormous challenges. One is a lack of economic mobility and opportunity for most Americans. And the other is the need to restore integrity to our government. End quote. Bennett's announcement comes late because he was diagnosed with prostate cancer earlier this year and waited on treatment before making a final decision about whether to run. He said the diagnosis was very clarifying in terms of making his decision. On CBS, he also spoke about the current field. Quote, Asked about the packed field of challengers he now faces, Bennett told CBS that it's phenomenal we have an array of candidates that we have, calling it a competition of ideas, The Democratic Party doesn't stand for very much at the national level with respect to what the American people think, argued Bennett. A process like this is long overdue in the Democratic Party, end quote. Now, Bennett has served as a senator from Colorado since 2009, and he is a moderate Democrat from a purple state. Although he's not well known outside the state, he's not letting that stop him. He's probably best known for his crocodile tears speech railing against Ted Cruz during a government shutdown. Link to that in the show notes. Okay, reading again from CBS News, quote, Bennett acknowledged in his campaign appeal that while he may lack in national name recognition because I don't go on cable news every day, he came to Washington because he wants to pay attention to what would help the people who sent me there make their lives better. So you may not know me, but over the years, I've learned a lot about what Americans struggle with, he said, end quote. In the announcement video posted this morning, Bennett began by saying, quote, There are 7,591 words in the Constitution of the United States. The word politics is not among them. That's because our nation's founders knew that politics and governing aren't the same thing. When campaigning never stops, governing never begins. End quote. And let me give you some more from later in that video. Quote Since 2001, we've spent more than $10 trillion on tax cuts for the wealthy and wars in the Middle East. What would our country look like today if we'd spent that money investing in our own future? We could have saved Social Security forever, fixed the VA, raised the pay of every teacher by 50%. We could have led the world in solving climate change. We could have fixed our crumbling bridges and dams, but we did none of it. End quote. Bennett then proceeds to suggest a series of policies. First, he says a public option should be added to Obamacare. He also explicitly says that he does not support Medicare for all. Second, he suggests a tax cut for families with children to reduce child poverty. Third, he says we need to invest in education across the board. He also says, quote, but I'm not going to pretend free college is the answer, end quote. Fourth, he says we need to reverse the Citizens United decision, And fifth, he wants to see passage of his proposals banning partisan gerrymandering and barring former members of Congress from ever becoming lobbyists. And that's it for the policy-related pitch in the video. And to be clear, that is way more policy than we saw in videos from recent candidates like Joe Biden. There's also quite a bit more in the YouTube video about Bennett as a person and what his ideals are. So, like I have for others in this primary, I decided to dig into Bennett's YouTube channel to see if he had any other videos. And surprise, he has dozens going back to 2015. Now, many of them have fewer than a thousand views. And at the time I write this, his actual announcement video has just over 200 views. But still, it's an interesting place to look for some context. Check that link in the show notes. And note, He also has a separate Senate YouTube channel with almost 400 videos going back 10 years. Bennett also released a long and detailed Medium post titled Rising to the Challenge, which is full of interesting biographical details, including the fact that Bennett is the descendant of Polish Jews who survived the Holocaust. He also uses that essay to get into more policy details, including what he calls Medicare X, which is his name for a public option added to Obamacare and he includes charts and tables and graphs and specific proposals for reforms. Here's one bit from near the end. Quote, In my experience, durable progress must be fashioned out of more than obscured truth, slogans, and empty promises. You do it through hard work, by going everywhere, listening to everyone, being honest with people, being ambitious without indulging in magical thinking, And by looking at problems, not through the eyes of our politics today, but through the eyes of our children and their children after that, end quote. Now, in a side note to the Bennett story, it turns out that his younger brother, James, is actually the editorial page editor for the New York Times. So the Times released a statement this morning, quote, James Bennett has recused himself from any work generated by the opinion desk related to the 2020 presidential election. He will not discuss, assign, or edit any editorials, op-eds, columns, or other opinion pieces focused on candidates or major issues in the campaign. End quote. Yesterday, U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr appeared before the Senate Judiciary Committee testifying about the Mueller report and related stuff. Now, while that topic would normally be way out of scope for this show, it turns out that three of the senators on that committee that question Barr are also major candidates running for president. They are Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Amy Klobuchar. And that's where it becomes primary news, at least for one very notable moment that went viral. So, Senator Harris made huge waves yesterday with her questioning of Barr. Like, if you were on Twitter, there was no way to miss this particular exchange. As a former prosecutor from California, Harris has extensive experience in grilling people on the witness stand, and she used that experience when questioning Barr, just like she has in previous hearings in that committee. The clip that went viral has several things going on. I'm actually going to play that audio in a moment, but I want to give it some context first. In the clip, Harris has just begun her questioning. This is literally the first thing she says. And sitting right next to her is Cory Booker, Now, many Twitter jokes were made about how Cory Booker seems to laugh after one of Barr's answers after trying to remain stone-faced during Harris's questioning. I don't think that's actually pertinent to the job Harris is doing, but it did certainly help the video spread super fast because, yeah, it was kind of funny to watch Booker in the background cracking up during this super serious and kind of heavy hearing. Okay, here's the clip, and obviously Harris speaks first. Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, yes or no? Could you, could you repeat that question? I will repeat it. Yeah. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, the president or anybody else? Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, uh, there have been discussions of, of matters out there that uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation, but- Perhaps they've suggested? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I, I don't know. Inferred? You don't know, okay. Now, of course, Klobuchar and Booker also asked questions, but they didn't gain nearly as much attention in the media. For more on what they said, check the link in the show notes. After the hearings, a huge list of candidates called on Barr to resign. Here's a list from an ABC News story of the nine major candidates who have now called for Barr's resignation just in the last 24 hours. And yeah, I think this list may have grown by the time you hear this. Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, Jay Inslee, Eric Swalwell, and Elizabeth Warren. And in an interview on Sirius XM Radio, Senator Bernie Sanders was asked about the issue, but said he had been preoccupied by other things and doesn't yet have a position on whether Barr should resign. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And now for something completely different. In March, Reuters revealed that as a teenager, Beto O'Rourke was a member of the hacker-slash-essay-writing group Cult of the Dead Cow, or CDC. He was most active in the late 80s and very early 90s, and he used the pseudonym Psychedelic Warlord in his online activities, including writing a series of essays. All of this came out because a book about CDC is coming out next month, and its formerly anonymous members, including O'Rourke, admitted that he was a member many, many decades ago. Okay, so here's the thing. You know how when you were a teenager, and you did dumb teenager stuff, and you're really glad it wasn't, you know, like, say, saved forever on the internet? Well, for members of Generation X and younger, that is sometimes not the case, especially if you were into computers when you were a kid. And O'Rourke was very engaged in the local Texas computer scene, and the essays and poems he wrote as a teen are still online today. So let me back up and give some context on what Cult of the Dead Cow is. First off, it is not a cult. The name is a joking reference to an abandoned slaughterhouse in Lubbock where members would hang out. It's a group of computer enthusiasts who are originally from Texas, and during the time that O'Rourke was involved, it was basically a digital publisher, collecting and distributing documents written by its members. These are sometimes called electronic zines, and zine is another term I should probably define. A zine is a magazine made and distributed on a shoestring budget, often by amateurs using a photocopier. So an electronic zine is just like a text file on your computer. Okay, so in the late 80s, CDC was passing around these documents, which cover all kinds of teen stuff. There are essays, poems, interviews, and vague flirtations with anarchy, song lyrics, you name it. And honestly, it is very clearly the work of teenagers. The other thing CDC did back then was some lightweight computer hacking, which O'Rourke did join in on. This is stuff like copying games for his Apple IIe family computer and exploiting telephone systems to make free long-distance calls. CDC was loosely organized using dial-up telephone systems connected to personal computers. Now, there is way more technical detail on that, but I will spare you the nerd stuff. In his writings for the group, O'Rourke focused on poems, song lyrics, short, weird fiction, and interviews. In the latest writing I could find, from 1990, O'Rourke recounts a visit to his dentist, whom he calls Mr. Wilbanks, and he clearly embellishes things quite a bit. At the time, O'Rourke would have been about 18 years old. And in his earliest writing that I could find, from 1987, he writes about the idea of a society without money and what that would mean. He would have been about 15 at the time he wrote it, and it shows. Here's the beginning. Quote, money has been a part of your life since the day you were born. It has been in everyone's life for thousands of years. In fact, you have to go back to the ancient Chinese and Greeks to find the origins of money. Since it has been a part of your life for so long, you probably never thought about life without it. Well, here's your chance, end quote. So O'Rourke left the group when he went to Columbia University in 1991, reading here from an article in Reuters by Joseph Men. Quote, O'Rourke and his old friends say his stint as a fledgling hacker fed into his subsequent work in El Paso as a software entrepreneur and alternative press publisher, which led in turn to successful long shot runs at the city council and then Congress where he unseated an incumbent Democrat. Politically, O'Rourke has taken some conventional liberal positions, supporting abortion rights and opposing a wall on the Mexican border. But he takes a libertarian view on other issues, faulting excessive regulation and siding with businesses and congressional votes on financial industry oversight and taxes. His more conservative positions have drawn fire from Democrats who see him as too friendly with Republicans and corporations. His more progressive votes and punk rock past helped his recent opponent, Republican Senator Ted Cruz, portray O'Rourke as too radical for socially conservative Texas. End quote. So the final takeaway here is that in a primary race with 11 people who were either Gen X or Millennial, it is only a matter of time before other teenage writing or video or songs or whatever arrives from the bin of history and makes headlines. So stay tuned. And last today, yesterday Beto O'Rourke became the latest candidate to pledge not to accept campaign contributions of more than $200 from fossil fuel company executives. He has also returned previous contributions that meet that criteria. O'Rourke is somewhat notable, though, in that he comes from a state with a lot of oil money, so he is potentially closing the door to substantial donations from locals. Also for O'Rourke, this comes right after his first major policy proposal, which is all about climate change, which we covered in the show on Monday this week. But O'Rourke is far from alone in signing the pledge. Here is a list of other candidates who have signed that pledge. Pete Buttigieg, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Jay Inslee, Wayne Messam, Seth Moulton, Bernie Sanders, Eric Swalwell, Elizabeth Warren, Marianne Williamson, and Andrew Yang. You can check out the link in the show notes for a complete list of who has and has not signed onto the pledge so far. Honestly, it would have been faster to read the list of who has not signed, but I guess that ship already sailed. Anyway, one technical note here. The Fossil Fuel Pledge site also allows you to download what's called a CSV file, which is basically a spreadsheet. And that lists every candidate at every level across the country who has ever signed the pledge. So that's like local races, state races, president, everything. And that list dates back to previous election cycles, so it's pretty long. At the time of this writing, it has 1,448 candidates on it and counting. Well, that's it for another episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Okay, so today was the first time we actually used a snippet of audio from a news source, and I'm curious what you think about that. I don't plan to make the show just a mess of other people's clips, but from time to time, I am thinking about using bits of actual candidate audio instead of me literally rereading everything they say. So let me know on Twitter if you did or did not like that use of the Harris audio from the Senate hearing. Thank you in advance, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels.